Well, the community for sure. Um, that was a big reason why we came back because um, we we were searching for that community and we um, we kind of already had it built here um, just from uh, Katie growing up here and I got to know everybody uh, through that um, and uh, so continuing to build that up and being able to invite people into that uh, it's just exciting to have um, a church family that we want to be a part of but we want to invite others to to join us as well in part the other thing for me anyway is um, kind of stretching and growing me and challenging me in my um, faith, my obedience to God. Um, uh, we've stepped out and um, led a small group now, and that was, I didn't think we were ready for it, but uh, God just keeps showing up for that, and um, I think He's probably going to continue to grow us and challenge us in ways that we can't really anticipate, but it's nice to be able to do that with the the family and the community we have around us. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Of, You know, we're going to different churches, and the worship's amazing, and the preaching is amazing, and um, but it's just kind of empty if you don't have that family. Um, so coming back to New Hope and just knowing people, and they know you, and they know, I mean, some of them knew me since I was five, and others have just met me, um, but just to personally know people and live I mean God designed us to be in community together so um, that's something that I feel is huge um, at New Hope and that has grown us because without the community we probably wouldn't have been small group leaders or I for sure wouldn't have been co-leading worship or um, yeah and just to see them also pour into our kids too mm -hmm. has been so huge and um, it just makes me think back of when I was a kid and all of those um my parents friends pouring into me and just that's just kind of the atmosphere here which um has been really a blessing to be part of so new hope just does such a good job of showing the love of christ to others and we've been on the receiving end of that multiple times and um it's just such a blessing to be a part of a, a church family that does that yeah it's hard because i feel like it's all i've ever known um it's the church that I love, and I know the people, but it, it it's not the church that I know and love, it's the people. Like, I love coming in and just seeing new people and people that I've known 20 years, um, and they just, yeah, they, the people of this church do an amazing job of just knowing people, um, walking through hard things with people, and just, um, I don't know, meeting them where they're at, and I don't know, just a really good job of sharing Jesus through mm. the hard and through, like, the really good times, too. So. It's a big family. Like, we we have no qualms about um, leaving our kids with pretty much anyone because they, they just shower them with love when we're here, when we see them out in the community. Mm. God's worked a lot in my life. Um, since we've been coming to New Hope, it was kind of an interesting time in life. My wife and I had just been married about a year and a half. Um, so it was kind of a place where I was searching for a new community. We had just moved to Adele, um, and also my wife and I together were seeking a church family for the first time. Um, so New Hope kind of met that need. We did look at some other churches and went to a number of other places. Um, we just kind of had a special feeling at New Hope that it was a great place for us to, to grow spiritually together and also to meet 
um, other people not only our age but of a lot of different ages and there are also kids everywhere so we were, we were pretty attracted to that too. Even just in the, the three short years that we've been coming to church here um, I've grown in a lot of ways that I never maybe knew that I needed to or never anticipated. Um, not only musically as worship leader that's something that was completely out of my comfort zone but something that um, has always been kind of stirring in me and it's New Hope has really opened up that opportunity for me to worship that way um, like I haven't before. Um, so it's meant a lot in that way. It's also meant a lot um, as my wife and I start our family. We have a three-year-old and an 11-month-old and just seeing um, the way that they love coming in the doors, the way that um, Brenna just waits and waits all week for Sunday morning. Uh, it was really special to know that they're being raised up in a place where um, they're supported like I know they are, you know, it kind of takes a village as they say, um, but also just that they love being here, um, not only for the friends, and, but also for you know, the stories that they're learning and the examples that they see um, in the other adults. So it's, it's really meant a lot to our family. Well, good morning, New Hope. It's good to see you all, and uh, once again, to, to watch those videos and to hear your stories of how God is working in your life and in uh, uh, your heart uh, over the years, it's been a special journey here as we're coming up on our 20th anniversary. It's hard to believe the celebration is going to be here soon. If we haven't met, my name is Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, it's good to be with you this morning. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook, I want to welcome you as well uh, this morning as we uh, continue on. Today is, as I think it was mentioned earlier on, today is Baptism Sunday, which means I hardly slept last night because I get so excited about Baptism Sunday. It's one of my favorite times of the year. And so here shortly, we're going to be inviting up uh, Pastor Tom and, and Sarah. And then in second service, we're going to be baptizing two middle school girls. And so I know you're here now. I know the Hawkeyes play a little later on. So maybe that's why you're here now. I don't know. But if you want to come back and, uh, and see that, and if you're like, no, there's, no, no, uh, we are going to put it on Facebook. And so you can be at home or on your phone or a smart tablet, whatever you have, and you can watch these girls get baptized uh, later on this morning as well. And you can cheer and celebrate from wherever you're at, a restaurant, at home, whatever the case may be. So very special morning here of just celebrating God changing lives. And that's, that's what we get so excited about here, because this is the God that we serve. He wants to transform and change our lives, which is part of why we're doing this sermon series called Stories. And we're looking, as you know, at six different characters from the New Testament. And we're looking at how did God change their lives? What did God do in their story, if you will? And, and what I hope you're seeing already is that each story that we're looking at is unique. Each of these people are unique. The way God transformed them is unique. In a lot of ways, we've been talking about how it's like a fingerprint. And, and, and you have your story as well. See, God wants to do something also in your life and in my life as well. Your story is unfolding as is mine. And that's an exciting thing. And so as we go through the series, what I'm encouraging all of us to ask is the question, what's my story? What's God doing in my life? What has he done? What am I trusting him for today? What am I trusting him for in the future tomorrow. And so it's an exciting time. Looking forward to this as we continue on with our next character this morning. So we've already looked at the Apostle Paul. We've looked at James, the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, last uh, Sunday, we looked at Pastor Tom Les through Nicodemus. We looked at his story. And so if you've missed any of those and want to go back and, and hear their story, you can also go to Facebook or podcast or the church website and check that out. But today we're going to look at a, a guy who uh, clearly, he loved Jesus with all of his heart. He, he, he wanted to serve him with everything that he had. Uh, but the thing about him is that he made a lot of mistakes along the way. Today, we're going to look at the Apostle Peter. 
We're going to look at Peter's life. And Peter's an interesting guy. And one of the things I appreciate about Scripture, and not only the Bible, but also Peter himself, is he was refreshingly honest about who he was. He didn't put on errors. The Bible talks about all these amazing things that God did, but the Bible also clearly shares these stories, these mess-ups, these these moments along the way in Peter's story where he just kind of blew it. And maybe for some of you this morning, you can relate to that idea. This idea that that you too love the Lord and and you want to live a life that honors him and you want to live in obedience to him and and, and you want that to be a mark of your life, and yet you look at your life, and maybe you look behind your life and your past, and, and what you see is a trail of mess-ups, a trail of mistakes, sin. Maybe there's an area of sin where you just, you just can't get unstuck from that area. It's, it's, become, it's become something that almost defines you. And, and you feel like, well, you want to honor God, and you want to live for Him. You don't feel like you're a good Christian whatever that's defined as. And so coming with that, or along with all of that, can be feelings of guilt and shame and struggle. And if that relates to you at all this morning, this this message is for you. And the life of Peter can become a life that becomes a great example for us in that. So uh, if you would, please grab your Bibles. And we're going to be in lots of different places this morning. You can also go to uversion.com if you have a tablet or smartphone and follow along there. Because we're going to look at the life of Peter here this morning. And I think you're going to find his story pretty interesting. Here's our big idea this morning. It's on the screen. If you have a bulletin, I'd encourage you on the backside to, to fill in the blanks here. And here's the big idea that I want us to get this morning. It's this, is that God can use my mess-ups to help me spiritually grow up. God can use my mess-ups to help me spiritually grow up. Now, my mess-ups are just mess-ups. The operative word there is God. Because God's the game changer. God's the transformer. God's the one who who takes all the junk in my life and he can somehow redeem it and restore and do something incredible in your heart and my heart and life and work for good out of it. It's an incredible thing. And, you know, I don't know, when you read this, I I don't know about you, but I am glad for this. And hopefully you are too. I, I am glad for the grace this idea that God can do this, that God can use the mess-ups to help me, to help you spiritually grow up. And this was true of Peter as well. Let's just jump into his life a little bit. Peter uh, was a guy who was born, in fact, next slide, we have a map here. He was born in a community called Bethsaida. I circled it there. You can see it's north of the Sea of Galilee there. He was born and raised there. He was actually born with the name Simon. His name is Simon. Uh, later it's Peter. We'll get to that in a moment. But Simon was his name. Simon was a very common uh, boy name back in the, that time. At some point when Peter, during his growing up years, as he, he was born into a blue-collar fishing family, uh, the family, Peter and, and his brother Andrew and, and parents and whoever else was a part of that family, then moved six miles there to the southwest to Capernaum. And so you'll see that circled as well there. Capernaum at this time was a community of about 1,500 people, which in that day, that's a bustling city. That's, uh, there's a lot going on there, 1,500 people. And uh, so he moves there, and this is where he grew up, is at Capernaum. 
And in this place, he, he eventually grew and he joined the family fishing business. Uh, he and his brother Andrew joined their dad, John, and, uh, and they became fishermen. Uh, we also know that Peter in Capernaum met the girl of his dreams and he ended up getting married. We know this uh, because in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5, it's kind of a passing verse, but it gives us some insight in his life. And we've got the slide for this as well. It says, don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us? as do the other apostles and the Lord's brother and Peter. There it is. So he's, he's got a wife. So he fell in love. He got married. And then we also know that Peter uh, took on a mortgage. So, so he's got the family fishing business. He's, he's married and he's got the mortgage, which probably wasn't a mortgage back then, but you get the idea. Matthew chapter 8, verse 14 says this, that when Jesus came into Peter's house there in Capernaum, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. It just gives us a little snapshot on his life. Peter's a, a Jewish, hardworking, blue-collar family man uh, there in Capernaum. And really, history sh- should know nothing of him. We really shouldn't be talking about Peter whatsoever. He was just kind of your common guy in that regard. I want to push pause real quick and just take us on a little segue here, because I think, personally, this is really interesting. But this next picture here just might actually be Peter's house, which is kind of crazy. Maybe some of you have been to Israel and you've been to this site here. But this is a place in Capernaum where it's, it's a common house. It's, it's, I mean, it doesn't look like much today, but uh, back in the day it was. it was. It was a common house in common style. It was slightly larger than most houses, but it had um, rough, uh, rough walls. And it would have had a straw or a grass, if you will, roof on it. That was the style of the house that, that uh, would have had. They unearthed lots of household items from this location. And then something interesting, though, is they kept digging, they found. Around the middle of the first century, so this is called 50 or so AD, then something happened in that location. What happened is it was almost like Chip and Joanna Gaines and Fixer Upper like moved into town and like completely redid the house. All of a sudden you have plastered walls, which is really unusual, and a stone roof was put on this place, and all the household items are gone. And what was brought in, all they could find are gas lamps, lights. That's, that's what they have here. That's all that there is. And then they began to continue to dig and they found nothing but graffiti all over the walls. They have about 300 or so different graffiti points of, of crosses and fish and sayings like, Lord, have mercy on me. It's plastered all over these walls. See, this location became a house church. It went from a house to a house church location. It's fascinating. And Peter possibly could have been a part of this, or it could have been Peter's house, or maybe it wasn't his Peter's house. But regardless, it's a really interesting location there that, you know, there's a decent chance that this is where he lived. And I kind of share this, that I want you to feel the, the texture of history, that this is real, and he lived, and, and this really happened. But I guess I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Let's jump back. So Peter is a Jewish, hardworking family man. He's fishing. He's going on with his life until the day he met Jesus. And isn't that the case with all of us? It's like when you meet Jesus, everything changes. And here's how it happened for him. Andrew, his brother, was down south near uh, the Jordan River and, and was, was there with John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist, you've probably heard of his name. John was, was uh, the forerunner of Jesus, and he was talking about the coming of the Messiah, and he was talking uh, about uh, who the Savior of the world was coming, and he was baptizing people there. And so Andrew was there. Maybe Peter was there too. We don't know. 
But Andrew was certainly there. And I want to read with you uh, from Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, this incredible scene, because as John's there and Andrew, who's a disciple of John the Baptist, is there, all of a sudden, one day, Jesus shows up. Check out what happens. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. So, so Jesus is baptized here by John, went up out of the water, and at, the moment, and at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. What an incredible scene. We're going to have a baptism here soon in a moment. I don't think it's going to be like this quite, but I mean, you have this incredible scene here of the Trinity showing up. You have the Son of God being baptized, the Father speaking from heaven, the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. This incredible scene, and people are taking this in. Obviously, for Andrew, who's watching this, this got his attention. If you have, you're in Matthew. Now, turn to the right a few books to John, or just follow on the screen behind. John chapter 1, verse 35. Because the story picks up there. It says, the next day, so after the baptism, so the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. Now again, Andrew's one of them. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Now literally, that means in the Greek, like stalker, follow. Like they're just like following him around the room. And Jesus is like, what, you know, what are y'all doing? So that's what they're doing here. Verse, verse 38, turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. And so they went and saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. What an incredible opportunity. Could you imagine just meeting Jesus and, and you just get to spend the day with him? And so Andrew, and many people think it's John who wrote the book of John, but we don't know. But, but these, two, these two disciples get to spend a whole evening with Jesus. So, so they have this opportunity. So, so let's keep going. Um, so um, where am I at? Where am I at? Verse 40. So Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. Now, verse 41. Here we go. This is the key. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon, that's Peter, and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. Verse 42. And he brought him to Jesus. So, so here the scene that Andrew spent this afternoon evening with Jesus. Now, there was such an impression made on Jesus that, that it was so transformative for Andrew, who will also become one of the disciples later on. It, was, it changed his life so much that the first thing he has to do, or he wants to do, is go find his brother, Simon. And he's convinced now that Jesus is the Messiah. It took a handful of hours. It took a conversation. It took spending time with him. And Andrew is absolutely convinced he is the Son of God, Messiah, of the Christ. And so he goes, he finds his brother and says, look, I, we, this is it. This, we found the one. It is, it is him. And so he wants to introduce Peter, his brother, to Jesus, which by the way, the reason why I put that in blue is this is the heart of evangelism, isn't it? This is really all that it is. We can make it complicated and we can talk about techniques and tools and all those kind of things, but the heart of it all is that Jesus, who you know has transformed your life, has made such an impression on you that you want to introduce him to other people. This is what Andrew did. 
He spent some time with Jesus, and all of a sudden, he's so excited, he's convinced of what he knows, he goes and finds his brother just to introduce. And that's what it is. That's part of why our mission statement here at New Hope Church is helping people find and follow Jesus. This is the heart of helping people find Jesus. It's as simple as introducing those you know to him. This is what Andrew did. It's, it's, it's an incredible scene. It's a beautiful thing that he did here. Now, let's keep going, verse 42. And so we have this introduction here. So there's, there's Peter, there's Andrew, there's Jesus. Verse 42, it says that Jesus looked at him, looked at Peter now, and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So we've got a lot of names going on here. So, okay, so we've got Cephas, that's Aramaic, and Peter, which is Greek. Same word. They both, both names mean the rock. And so Jesus meets Peter and says, you're Simon, but I've got a new name for you. I've got a nickname for you. Maybe you've had a nickname before. I have a nickname for you. Your nickname is the rock. See, Dwayne Johnson was not the first rock. We're talking about Peter. Peter's the rock. And it's fascinating because you have Peter, and, and I know we're not have time to get all in his personality, but he's, he's impulsive, he's brash, his mouth works faster than his brain, right? I mean, he's just, Peter's, it's just, this is Peter, in that he, Jesus looks at him and says, you are the rock, you're stable, you're strong, you're secure, sort of different than what Peter's personality is. And I just wonder if what Jesus is doing, he's giving him this nickname to remind Peter of who he's going to turn Peter into, how he's going to transform him. That Peter, you may be this way and you've got some rough edges, but at the same time, you're going to become this over here. This is the work I'm going to do in you. This is how I'm going to change you. So, so here he is. He's, he makes him, he names him. He is, he is the rock. And we know this encounter had a huge impact on Peter. They spent time together. And and the reason we know that is if you can flip now to Mark, uh, Mark chapter 1, or again, follow along behind me here. Sometime in the future, maybe it was days, maybe it was weeks, maybe it was months, but sometime in the future, Jesus shows up again. This would have been the second encounter that Peter has with Jesus. And look what happens. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. It says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. That's an opportunity of a lifetime. You talk about an instant career change. I mean, the, another account there, there's John, who's the dad who's sitting there. They drop the nets and they go. And John's like, hello, I lost like three quarters of my, my working staff here. Where'd you all leave? And sometimes we read this verse, we get this impression that Jesus just showed up and they had no previous encounter with Jesus. And then he says, hey, he says a few words, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And then they drop everything and they leave. That's not quite it. See, Peter had already had this encounter. Peter had already had this moment with Jesus. And this was, again, it was an opportunity of a lifetime to become one of the disciples of Jesus. And so that's what Peter did. Andrew too, and of course others joined up. And we know as we continue to look through scripture, we see that Peter's, his faith grew. We see that God used his life in a powerful way. In fact, there's just, there's so much in scripture about how God used Peter's life. There's just not time this morning to to possibly get into it. He became one of the leaders of the 12 disciples. Uh, Later, he became a leader in the early church. Again, God used him in remarkable ways. 
But as I mentioned earlier, a part of Peter's story, and I'm so thankful that it's in Scripture, is that despite how God used him in powerful ways, a part of the story is that he made a lot of mistakes along the way. As we already mentioned, he, he blew it a lot of ways. He, he caused problems. He hurt people. He was arrogant. He was quick-tempered. He, he was a people pleaser. We can read scripture and we see that he, he denied knowing Jesus famously. We, we, he, he rebuked Jesus. He even said no to Jesus. I mean, there was these moments where, where Peter just really messed up. And it seems like with Peter, everything Peter did was big. Like, for example, um, Peter's the one where Jesus is walking on the water and Peter says, hey, tell me to come out to you. And so Jesus is like, sure, come on out. And so it's Peter out of the, all the disciples who gets out of the boat and starts walking on water. Incredible. And it was Peter that had that faith. But then it was Peter too who took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the wind of the waves and began to sink. Or we had another account where, where Peter is the one that, that um, Jesus is with the disciples and they're on kind of a retreat, if you will. And, and, and Peter, or excuse me, Jesus asked the question, he said, so who do people say that I am? Well, the disciples kind of hemmed and hawed. There's a lot of other answers. Some say you're Elijah and some say you're this and some say you're that. And Jesus said, well, what about you? Meaning in the Greek, that's you all. What about you, you all the disciples, you 12? What do you say? Who do you say that I am? It was Peter that spoke up. It was Peter in this moment who gave what's called the great confession. He said, you are the Messiah. You are the son of God. I mean, just an incredible moment. And you could just, I mean, it's not in the scripture, but you just, my guess is just Jesus' face smiling that Peter got it. Peter giving the great confession. If you read that passage, you're like, yeah, Peter. And then like two verses later, the very next passage in the scriptures, you have Peter and Jesus, and Jesus is talking about his upcoming death. And Jesus is very open and saying, I'm going to Jerusalem and they're going to kill me. And three days later, and Peter says, no, never, not you. And that's not gonna happen. And to which Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan, rebuking Uh, Peter rebuking Jesus and Jesus jumping in and saying, no, 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 you don't have in mind the things of God. It was like Peter had this grand moment. He nailed it. He did the great confession. And then moments later, he's rebuking Jesus. I mean, this is just kind of Peter's flow throughout all of, of scripture. But here's your next fill in the blank. And here's the key is that Peter had to learn how to bounce back from failure. Because one of the things about Peter that I appreciate is that although you see Peter make lots of mistakes along the way, you never see Peter in a permanent way walk away from God. You never see him quit. You never see him throwing in the towel for, for, in, in a permanent way and saying, I'm just done. You never ever see that. He somehow learned how to bounce back. So the key to understand, this is what I want to kind of close with this morning. The key to understand all of this and how to bounce back from from failure, from sin, is first to understand that God is not surprised by our mess-ups. In fact, James chapter 3, 2, and it says there's lots of different places in Scripture, it says very clearly we all stumble in many ways. This is is our story. But what's amazing, what's what's mind-blowing is again that God can somehow take our mistakes, our, even our sin, even our sin that has massive consequences. He can take that and he can use that in our life and work for good. 
This points to how good God is and how powerful he is. Look with me at Romans chapter 8, verse 20, just quickly behind me. It says that we know that in all things, God works for the good, meaning to help you become like Jesus, of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God can redeem it. God can restore because God is good and God is powerful. But what's the key to make this happen? The key to make this happen, see, God's desire is to do this, but the key is actually you and me. Because here's what typically happens. When we mess up and when we sin, we typically operate out of the playbook of Adam and Eve. And what I mean by that is what did Adam and Eve do during, after their first sin in the garden, after they ate the forbidden fruit? So, so you remember in Genesis, they, they ate the forbidden fruit and then God shows up and what are they doing? Well, they feel guilt and shame and they're hiding in the bushes from God. Like God doesn't know where they're at, but nonetheless, they're hiding away. See, this is, this is the playbook we all operate by. In our guilt, in our shame, in our failures, what we tend to do is we tend to duck, cover, hide, spin, blame, you name it. We just pass it off to somebody else so that nobody sees and nobody knows. We cover. This is what we do. This is what you do and this is what I do. This is the playbook we operate out of. And when we do this, we cut off the opportunity for God to do something good in our heart and in our life. So this is why I want to encourage us all this morning as we begin to close. That rather than doing the playbook of Adam and Eve, that you and I commit to living with complete honesty before God, especially, and, and others as well. That we come out of hiding. That we, that we come before God as we are and say, God, here I am and this is what I've done. And you know it anyway. That we live with a transparency before God that sometimes we feel like we're not allowed to have. But God says, I know it anyway and I love you in spite of. That we live and we commit to say, this is what I'm going to do. Because when I come out of it, when I stop denying, when I stop ignoring, when I stop blaming or pretending it never happened, then God can do something good. Look with me at Paul's words here to begin to close. Next verse. First, Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. This is Paul, the apostle Paul, a giant of the faith. He says this, but he said to me, Jesus now, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul, and this is honesty here. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. What's Paul doing here? He's not hiding the weaknesses. He's saying, you know what? I'm just gonna be open about who I am and I'm gonna come before God and others and say, this is what I wanna be honest about, my weaknesses, because I have them and so do you. Recognizing that it's exactly in the points of weakness failure, mess-ups, and sin. That's where God's grace wants to enter in and do a healing work. I want to give a visual of this. I found this this week. I think this is fascinating. There's a Japanese pottery style called uh, kintsugi. And that's a sample of what it looks like. It basically, it's a pottery style where, where taking broken pieces, broken pottery, rather than throwing it away, the, the, the artist will take the pieces and put it back together again, but will then line the cracks in the broken places with things like, in this case, it's gold. Gold and silver and other precious metals. 
highlighting here that in this form of pottery, it doesn't hide the cracks, it accentuates them. It calls them out. It says they're absolutely here. But in many ways, this becomes more beautiful than the original bowl. Highlighting what God wants to do in your life when we let him. When we come before him and saying, look, the cracks are there. They're in my life. They're in yours. And we say, God, would you fill them? Would you work in them? Would you shine through them? Would you do something special in the cracks that are there? Because your grace is sufficient that this is something that you want to accomplish. See, God wants to restore and redeem your story in your life. See, he wants my story to be this way. He wants your story to be this way. And you know what else? He wants our story to be this way as well. You know, as a church, we're celebrating 20th anniversary and we're doing the videos and the timeline wall and we're talking about, and appropriately so, all the, just the great moments of 20 years of New Hope history and the ways that God has shown up. But you know, that's not the full story. Because if we're completely honest and we're open about all of it, there are some ugly parts too. Because we're people, just like any church. There's, there's some people here who have been hurt. There's some people here who have endured conflict. There, there's just stuff that's happened over the years because, again, we're a church like any other church. And I think it's appropriate to be honest about those things and to say that if our church was like a bowl, there's, there's some cracks there too, and, and that those are the exact places that we want God to show up and to mend and to shine through. Just like any group of people that get together, sometimes that happens. Because here's the thing, God's grace only matters to those who know they need it. Isn't that true? When we live a self-righteous posture, when we think, I can do this, I'm a good person, we don't need God's grace. But when we recognize the cracks that are there, and we recognize God I need you. God, I can't do it without you. God, would you mend? God, would you restore? God, would you shine through? God, would you do something in the brokenness of your life and in my life and us as a church? Would you do something incredible with that? That's when it gets exciting. That's when you and I begin to walk with God. That's when we get to see his grace shine. It's a commitment to being honest, isn't it? It's a commitment to saying, this is how I'm choosing to live. I would encourage you to have that before God, to live in a posture in your life as you spend time with him in prayer, you get in the word and just, just walking with him throughout the week of complete honesty of God, this is where I'm at and God, this is what I'm thinking and God, this is what I'm struggling with and this is what hurts and this is who hurt. And then watch him begin to work in your life and love you in those exact places. See, God can use our mess ups to help us spiritually grow up. As we take Paul's words and we boast in our weaknesses. I hope this is a part of your story. I hope it's a part of my story and our story, as well as the story of, of just those who this morning are, are gonna get baptized. Uh, we hear just a moment. In fact, I'll just uh, in here in a second. Uh, Pastor Tom's going to come up and uh, Sarah. 
going to come up, and I believe Tom as well, another gentleman is going to come up, and, um, and we're going to celebrate baptism. And, and remember, just as we talk about baptism, this is a picture really of what we're talking about this morning. This is a picture of God transforming lives. And what you're about to see happen is not a saving act. There's nothing here uh, for Sarah's sake that, that she's being saved in this moment. Because she's already said yes to Jesus, she's going to publicly make a declaration of her inward faith that she always already has. And so uh, as I like to compare it to a wedding ring. Does the ring make me married? No, but it's a sign. It's a symbol of my commitment, my covenant to my wife, Laura. And so we're about to do that. And so, uh, Pastor Tom, you want to come on down? And Sarah, you can come on up. And uh, as they're doing so, uh, and you're going to hear her story and all of that, uh, I want to remind you that, that when we do baptisms here, this is not a, a time where we do little uh, golf claps, you know, like, oh... No, no, no. So this is a celebration. So when Sarah gets baptized and all of that, we, we are going to hoop and holler and cheer and, and, uh, because that's what this is about. This is a celebration of transformed life. I'm super excited. Sarah, we are so excited that you step forward to take the step of baptism. And so we've got all sorts of friends who are here. We're all here cheering you on and just praying for you and uh, just celebrating with you. And so one of the ways you can encourage us is by sharing your story. I know you've been working on it and just writing it out. And so um, just share with us a little bit about what God has done in your life. I'll try. Um, Hello, my name is Sarah. I uh, started coming here probably about two months ago. I grew up in a Christian family, going to church and everything, uh, but that didn't stop me from making mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes, and God has pointed those out to me over the last few years. (laughs) Um, I uh, have no idea what to say now, (laughs) but uh, I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad to be um, getting baptized and hopefully this can uh, help other people choose the same way. Let me ask you a couple questions. How about we'll do that? Because I know there are some things that you wrote out in your testimony. And so you grew up kind of around here, right? In this area? Yeah. And you went to church with your family some when you were younger. Is that right? And um, just share with people a little bit of um, just what has drawn you back to the Lord and why at this time you've decided that you want to be baptized. Well, I never uh, really left the Lord. I mean, he's always been a part of my life, and I've always prayed, and when I do make mistakes, I turn to God and say, what did I do and how can I fix it? Um, uh, I, uh, a few years ago, I turned away really bad and just kind of gave up and stopped trying, and that made things really, really bad for me and my kids. Um, coming back here, I decided to go the other way and not make those mistakes again because there have been mistakes that I made before and I don't want to do that again. So I'm trying to go the other way instead of the same way that I've always gone. 
So there's been some uh, Bible verses that have been really helpful to you. I know you wrote down a couple of them. Why don't you share with folks uh, just particularly what scripture has been helped you and why? Um, I can't remember the scripture now. <laughs> but it's the one, I love the Lord God with all your heart and mind and soul and that yeah. one. <laughs> great. Um, so are you ready? Yeah, I guess Okay. So. Let's uh, move over here, and we're going to have you, you know, one of the things we've been doing is we've been signing the tub, all the folks who've been baptized over the last 20 years, and if you're here and you're one of those folks, we've still got more room on the tub here for signatures, but you're going to uh, add your name here, Sarah, on the tub, wherever you like, and so go ahead and just uh, put your name on there. Very good. Tom, can you put that back on there? Thank you. So, Sarah, go ahead and just step inside. ladies that I can't wait for you to hear their stories and how God has worked. But it's not a story of self-righteousness. It's a story of broken pieces of life as they're living it up to this point in their life of God showing up and doing something incredible in and through them. And so at this time, I'd like to invite Pastor Jake to come on down and uh, Bailey and Soila, you can come on up if you would, please. And, and as they're coming, I just want to remind us what baptism is. Baptism is a, a celebration. It's a public declaration of an inward faith. These ladies going in the tub and getting baptized is not an uh, act of, of salvation. This is not about them being saved. They're doing this because they already are saved. And so as way of an analogy, it's like a wedding ring. I'm wearing here. The ring does not make me married. It's simply a symbol of my covenant commitment to my wife, Laura. I could take it on, I could take it off. It's the commitment that is the key. The ring is the public symbol. Likewise, this is going to be a public symbol or display of the faith they already have. And so before I turn it over, I just want to mention one more thing. When we do this and they get baptized here, um, we don't do golf claps. 
No, 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 no. We want to celebrate, hoop, and holler, and uh, give lots of wet hugs when they're all done. You can come on down and, or greet them in the hallway or whatever the case may be, because this is a really, really big, big deal. So, Pastor Jake, I'll turn it over to you. Absolutely. So, I'm super excited. This is one of my favorite parts of my job. But uh, just tell us a little bit about your story. And it's not your story. It's the story of how God worked in you. Hi, I'm Soila, and I'm adopted. Um, when I lived with my bio- biological family, I had knowledge about God, but I did not have a relationship with the Lord. But now that he put me in the Winters family, I got to have another chance to accept God in my life, and I don't know where I would be with without him right now. And I am so grateful that he put me in my family. When I first accepted God, I was at camp where we worship and praise. It was the last night we were going to be at camp before we went home, And that night, somebody came on stage and said, If you truly believe that Jesus rose from the dead to take our sins away, say this after me. I was so pumped. I wanted to do it, not because my other friends were doing it, but because I was making that choice. And as I said the words, I felt happy, almost peaceful. There are rough times in life, and God was there so I could lean on him. I wanted to be baptized for a long time, but never had the courage to do it. I want to get baptized because I love God and I'm ready to fulfill my purpose on this earth. I know I'm going to heaven because I trust Jesus rose from the grave. I trust he says who he is. I trust he says who he is and I trust his promises. Thank you. Hi, I'm Bailey Blazik. I'm a sixth grader at ADM Middle School. I have wanted to get baptized for the past three or four months. I started Sunday school when I was four. This helped me understand who God is, who God was, and what I believed. When my relationship with God became stronger was when I started attending New Hope about a couple years ago. I feel like I really understand who he is and what he has done, and I have become closer to him. I feel like getting baptized will show that I'm accepting God and I am giving full commitment to him. I know I'm going to heaven because I'm proving myself to God and I'm putting full trust in him. Amen, amen. All right. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start with you, Miss Soyla. So if you want to step over here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Oh, 